Thanks for joining us today on The Pulse by Bernstein, where we bring you insights on the economy, global markets, and all the complexities of wealth management. I'm your host, Stacey Jacobson. The goal of The Pulse is to bring you valuable insights driven by Bernstein's award-winning research with views from experts around the industry. With that in mind, we wanted to kick off the new year giving you our recap of 2023 and take a look at what 2024 may hold. To do that, we're here with Bernstein's National Director of Investment Insights, Matt Palazzolo. Matt, welcome back to The Pulse and welcome to 2024. Oh, thanks a lot, Stacey. Happy to be here. All right, let's start by looking back at 2023. How would you characterize the year in the markets and the economy? I guess the first thing I would say is we were pleasantly surprised to be wrong on the economy and on the markets for 2023. 12 months ago, when we were making our initial forecast for the year, we thought economic activity was going to slow relative to the pace we were on in 2022, and that the markets were going to respond with a flat range-bound level of returns. We were wrong on both. Economic activity in the United States ended up coming in right around 2.5%. That's on GDP. And the, the stock market was very strong, particularly in the last quarter of the year. And so were fixed income returns. So a lot of that came down to the news that we got out of the Federal Reserve in the, the last meeting. Uh, that sparked a fairly significant rally in both equities and fixed income. All right. So now let's turn our focus into 2024. And I'm interested in your outlook. So first, let's start with the macro perspective and then move into your expectations for both the equity and bond markets. Yeah, well, so to a certain degree, what we expected in 2023, we're now expecting in 2024. It's just kind of a 12-month delay on that economic slowdown. Again, GDP in the United States was right around 2.5% for 2023. We think it slows to right around a half of a percent for 2024. Why? Much of that is because of the actions that the Federal Reserve has taken over the last couple of years, raising interest rates up to the level that they did. And the purpose of that was to bring down inflation towards their 2% target. They didn't get all the way there at the end of 2023, and they probably won't get all the way there at the end of 2024, but the economy will slow fairly significantly. Whether or not you want to call that a recession, I don't think that matters all that much. But but the slowdown in economic activity will have an impact on corporate profitability, certainly on the unemployment rate and the labor market here in the U.S. So that, I think, is the backdrop upon which we and others are beginning to think about asset allocation and market returns. Second part of your question, Stacey, obviously was on what do we expect from stocks and bonds? And given that economic outlook I just laid out, if we assume that earnings growth uh, for corporations grows mid-single digits and that PE valuations don't go anywhere, they are somewhat expensive or at the upper end of their historical range, but I think justified uh, at least where they were at the end of 2023. And so with that, putting those two pieces together, stock market returns should also be up mid-single digits, call it three, four, five, six percent, something in that range I think is fair. And bond returns should be right around where their yield levels are. So if yields today on municipal fixed income in the intermediate to range is four, four and a half percent, I think that's a, a safe place to start assuming the return that you'll get. Maybe we get a little bit of capital appreciation if interest rates fall, but I think it's a more of a mid-single digit year than it is another strong year like 2023. 
You know, throughout the year in 2023, a word that we used a lot on the show was soft landing when we were talking about the potential for a recession. Uh, is that still a phrase that you would lean into for 2024? Or do you have another one that we should uh, focus on? You know, hard landing, soft landing. I think it's just landing. Okay. If the Fed is on pace and the United States economy is on pace for this immaculate disinflation, remember back uh, eight, nine, 10 months ago, inflation was comping at six or 7%. We're now in the range of about 3%. And the economy has not collapsed. So it's been a wonderful outcome so far. We need to see it continue into 2024. But I think there's a possibility that we have a soft landing, that the Federal Reserve lands this plane without a lot of bumps. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a 100% degree of, of certainty. But it certainly is possible. But again, I go back to what I said before, hard landing, soft landing, some kind of landing is what we're going to get. And then as we look into 2025, in the back half of this year, I think it'll be an improved outlook, just like today is an improved outlook relative to where we were at 12 months ago. Okay, got it. That's helpful. Um, with that as a backdrop, many investors have been holding excess cash. Do you think that's a good idea going into 2024? I don't think it's a good idea to have excess cash going into 2024, just like I didn't think it was a good idea to have excess cash going into 2023. In fact, if you now, with the year done, if you look back on the returns for holding cash in 2023 compared to what a long-term investor's strategic allocation returned, they ended up underperforming holding money markets or cash returns in, in some form or fashion. And I think that probably ends up being the case in 2024 as well, given that in our expectation, the Federal Reserve will start to cut interest rates in the middle of the year. And with that, the return on cash will go from just above 5% to maybe by the end of the year, just above uh, 4% or even below 4%. And so with that, you're looking at a return that you know, probably underperforms again, even if we're right and stocks and bonds return mid single digits. Uh, so I think that certainly is a consideration for investors. You know, we've been advocating for some time to move excess cash that's not earmarked for something in the next 12 to 18 months out of money market funds into investments because of exactly what you saw at the end of 2023. Markets can generate returns in bursts. And you got a burst in the fourth quarter, and it's not forecastable. It was a surprise at the end of the year that the Fed was as dovish as they are. And that's what generally and over time, historically, has generated much of where the bulk of returns are those bursts in months or quarters. And uh, that's something to consider for long-term investors. We can't ignore the fact that 2024 is a presidential election year, and that's certainly going to drive a lot of the news cycle. How might that impact the markets? Yeah, as we go back and we look at over history, the amount of influence that election years have on returns isn't so meaningful. The data is inconclusive. Let's just say that there's not a lot of correlation between election years and, and whether or not you do well or poorly relative to what you would have done in non-election years. And I think that probably ends up being the case. Certainly, election years garner a lot of headlines and will be reading about it in the paper and, and watching it on television. But at the end of the day, U.S. election cycles, non-U.S. election cycles, and even geopolitics in general, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, 
doesn't end up having a long-standing, tangible impact on equity and fixed income returns. Yeah, that's certainly helpful as we brace ourselves for that new cycle coming. Now, also, you know, every year there is something that comes as a surprise. You mentioned the Fed's actions towards the end of 2023. As you look into 2024, are there any surprises that you may not be all that surprised to see? I guess one of them would be I really wouldn't be surprised or I, would, I should say I'm becoming less and less surprised if the Fed ends up landing this plane without a lot of bumps, you know, that we bring inflation down to their 2% target, that nothing breaks in the economy. When you look back at other periods of time where the Federal Reserve has raised rates as significantly or as quickly as they have, what ends up usually happening is that something cracks that uncovers some issue in, in our economy. And that's what ends up bringing us or pushing us into a recession. I don't want to be too Pollyannish or, or optimistic, but that would be a surprise that, that the Fed is able to manufacture this immaculate disinflation where they bring inflation to heal uh, without anything breaking. It's possible, and to a certain degree, that was getting priced in at the end of 2023. So that's something certainly to watch out for. Okay, so that's helpful with the surprises for 2024. Where might we be wrong? What is it that keeps you up at night? Yeah, I guess what keeps us up at night is when you have an economy that is uh, only growing in line with what our expectation is, something like 0.5% GDP, it's like stall speed, you're more susceptible to some exogenous shock, something occurring that you hadn't forecasted, it wasn't forecastable even, and that tips you over. And that is a greater risk in 2024 than it was for prior years because we're going to slow at a level that I think is consistent with stall speed. So that's something that we have to certainly be on the lookout for, but keeps us up at night. All right. Now, I can't really let you leave on a negative note. So let's give our listeners something positive to think about. What do you have for us? Well, I guess the positive is assuming we're right, the economy slows and that it's not anything too terrible. When we start to look out to 2025 at the back half of this year, 2025 might very well be, I know it's a long way away, but might very well be a pretty good year. Economic growth should be recovering your early cycle at that point in time. Uh, earnings growth will be on the upturn, maybe back up to high single digits. And that'll be a much better landscape to invest in than we were in in the beginning part of 2024. So I think that's the, the optimism. And that's, isn't it, what investors always have to, to do is to look further and further out, to, to ride out the bumps. Um, because again, as we said earlier in the show, you get these bursts. And as long as you can deal with the downturns, and that's the cost of long-term investing, you get the growth over time. And I think we'll start to see a clearer more conducive picture by the back half of this year. All right, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. Please join us again in two weeks for our next episode. And in the meantime, don't forget to like, share and subscribe to The Pulse by Bernstein wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Stacey Jacobson, wishing you a happy and prosperous 2024.